No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Welcome to another fantastic edition of Word Bros. I'm Kevin. Hey, man. Uh, hey, Kevin. I'm Bob. Nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. Uh, uh, have I seen you here before? Probably. You, you come here often? No. No? Uh, we've got a very special guest today, our dear friend David Byrne, who's got his new Kickstarter uh, right now, actually. You should go check that out. Kevin, what's the name of that Kickstarter? I think it's Jessamy, isn't it? Jessamy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a spinoff of his very successful super fantastic steak book it's called uh jessamy it is uh one through three of jessamy go look at that but uh our boy dave will tell you all about it right here on word bros I got to apologize, David. I was running late. Uh, my kids are gone. My wife and I were talking and I lost track of time. So please, it's very unprofessional of me. And I, I'm sorry to waste your time like I did. Please don't hit me or yell at me. Just don't let it happen again. Okay. I, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. I'm, I'm Kevin not... and I were convinced you were dead. Uh, so. No, I was just, <laughs> just hanging out with my wife. Again, I, I actually defied the laws of gravity and was kind of on time. Somewhat. I, I mean, you, David still beat you into the room, though. True, but I mean, I was like, "Where's Bobby? Did he die?" No, I'm very so, much. I'm very much alive. Good. Unfortunately good. for you all, <laughs> we have know. a we have a very special guest today. Um, a dear friend who I think our friendship really solidified over uh, Heroes Con. I would say, like, really formed a, a brotherhood if you will a bond uh, late night chatting with uh very interesting people at very <laughs> interesting times <laughs> it was a good conversation but it was a lot of fun and here we are we're gonna have the same conversation now we're talking to david byrne david byrne is a wonderful writer and a talented guy and he has a kickstarter out right now tell us all about your kickstarter bro well, thank you for having me first and foremost. Oh, stop and, it. You know we were going to have you on. You're our pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for years. But every time you're like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll have you on. We'll have you on. Well, I didn't know. I mean, it's hard to get everybody with a Kickstarter on our podcast, David. I mean. I just wanted to come talk, okay? But, uh, can we call you Dave or does do you go by David or can we call you Dave? I go by David, but you can call me whatever you want. So you go by David, like you made that, like that's your conscious, like I'm David, yes. like, okay, all right, yep. always David. It sounds way more professional, like you can't be like an, a former publisher and be called Dave, because then you're like- can? Well, I mean, I guess you could, because didn't Kevin Klein do that as the president? He was Dave, but like, yeah. you know, yeah, that was it doesn't really movie. work. I mean, it Uncle does. Joey is Dave Coulier, right, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, and uh, Dave's not here, man. <laughs> that's my age right there dave's not here man no i'm dave man. i mean you could have went for the low-hanging fruit and went talking heads jokes and you didn't do that so that's now, good now what's your middle well, name david it's alan so like david alan greer david allen co <laughs> that's what i was thinking david allen greer. all right so you're david allen Byrne. Uh, yep. and now i'm sure you get asked if you're related to john Byrne, right oh yeah all the time all the time now have you ever leaned into it and been like yes Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Well, I I recently found out because he passed before I was ever born. My grandfather's name is John Byrne. Oh, so, that's cool. So like oh, wow. it depending what day you catch me, I may say, Oh, my grandfather was John Byrne. And I'm not lying, but <laughs> it's, it's not fun. that John Byrne. It's just a it's just a, a happenstance coincidence that she they shared the same name. Mm-hmm. What kind of, what are you drinking? Is that that Twilight soda you're drinking there? The, what's it called? No, it's just uh, Cherry Coke Zero. Oh, I thought it was that. Have you seen that Twilight soda that they'd be selling now? Like it's, what's it called, I'm, Kevin? 
I'm very confused by it, but Star. I know what you're talking about. It's like it's, it's a, a it's a Coke yeah. product, but it has like a Starlight name or something weird. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's really co- weird. It's called Coke Starlight. Yes. Yeah. Is, oh, is that any it's good? It's like co- cotton candy in a can, but it says space in a can. And yeah. you're like, what? Interesting. So <laughs> yeah. is, cher- is cherry? That's Coke, what they call it. Is cherry Coke your go-to beverage, David? Uh yeah, that's my that and uh, unsweet iced tea. It's I know it's very unfloridian of me, but I. Don't want the sugary tea. Now, where do you find unsweetened iced tea in Florida? That's got to be very hard to do. Everywhere. You just have to specify. <laughs> That's weird, man. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to everywhere here. I remember I remember the last time we were in New York and it's such a habit. I would always tell them uh, whatever beverage I was getting with no lemon. And they're like, we don't put lemon in your beverage. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> everywhere in Florida puts lemon in your beverage. Really? Florida's a weird place. Yeah. Water, no. tea, whatever. Water, tea, okay. Do they put lemon in, in Diet Coke? Is that a thing in Florida? My mom does. Okay. I don't know. I don't understand why that was a fad for a while. You put lemon in your Diet Coke. I never really understood that. It's yeah. supposed to make it taste better, but. Like lemony? That's, that's like better because Diet Coke does not taste good. Like if you're going to drink a Coke, you should go for a Coke Zero if you have to drink. Well, I mean, David's, I agree. A, David's a cherry Coke guy. Is it a Cherry Coke Zero? It is. It's Cherry Coke. See? See? Zero sugar, which I, I thought we had knew that zero. by zero. Now, what's what's <laughs> the other stuff in it, though? Like, instead of sugar, what's the sugar substitute? I think this one's aspartame. Okay. So it's it's terrible for you, but it's delicious. It's got that weird aftertaste, <laughs> though, and the, the aspartame, like, makes my tongue feel like it's got a, it's wearing a sweater or something. You ever get that, like, that weird, like, yeah. No, is that just me? <laughs> no, I think All that's, right. just, that's you. just me. All right, that's just me. I'm fine with that. I'll own that, dude. I can't. Yeah, I don't. Mm. So cherry, <laughs> cherry, cherry Coke guy. That's cool. I'm down with that. Nice. <laughs> you nice. gotta tell us about. You have to tell us about steak. So if you've never read steak before, what is the premise behind steak? Uh, so the the main series for steak is about a, a teenage girl who sees. Her best friend get his heart ripped out on national television by vampires. Uh, she she ends up joining the vampire bounty hunting union as vampires have now announced themselves. Oh, okay. It's, it's an actual job to track down and register vampires who don't want to let the world know who they are. But they team her with a vampire partner, so a little accountability there. They uh, one human, one vampire, and she basically does it all while live on social media oh um, wow and then um the spinoff that is on kickstarter right now is about her vampire partner 250 years ago in the 18th century where back at that time her job was pretty similar but their job was to keep vampires hidden so she's chilling in england and finds out that there are monsters eating slaves in the new world and she has to go down, see what's up, and uh, basically handle her business, which we're getting into the final issue. So you're really going to get to see her handle her business. Wow. Okay. So this is so you're kickstarting one through three right now on Kickstarter, right? Correct. And that's the the whole series, the for the mini series. That's cool. That's yep. fun. Thanks. And so you got fucking vampires, monsters eating people in the new world. That sounds scary as shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like true blood combined with like twitter so like the, the two scary oh. things all at the same time that, that wasn't meant as a dig i was being like complimentary like it's it's very for a horror book like that's what you want right you want to be scary so that's that's kind of scary i would say <laughs> it's terrifying <laughs> um so this isn't your first rodeo on Kickstarter. What kind of advice do you have for people out there running a Kickstarter, David? Uh, well, first and foremost, let people know it's coming. Don't just drop it, uh, which people seem to do, and then they don't understand why they don't, they're not funding. Um, this is, let's see, my first one was October of 2017, so I'm coming up on five years of doing this. Damn, son. Wow. You're a veteran. Yeah, I mean that first one had 38 backers, so come come a long way. Hey man, um, I mean, but that's the point, though, right? You're growing your right. audience. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. You no, start somewhere. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the whole point. You know, don't 
look at that first campaign and if you you don't you know get a thousand backers which you know i don't have a thousand backers at this point i'd, I'd love to get there but um when you don't light the world on fire it's it's not you it's you're just starting out you gotta you gotta grow that audience you gotta let people know what you're doing um and then each one you hope to do better I mean, even yeah. if you don't do more money wise, if you if you look and you can get more backers for each campaign, that says you're doing something. So, so you are a a single issue grow your audience Kickstarter as opposed to Kevin and I's like fucking blitzkrieg. We're going all the way. <laughs> We're doing the whole book at once. We're gonna raise twenty five thousand dollars. We're gonna make this thing happen. You like to slowly kind of build an audience. Tell us because we don't. We don't work that way. We've never worked that way with Kickstarter. So ex- tell us the other side of the coin, if you will. I think what it helps you do by doing single issues is you can stay in front of people more frequently. Um, you can also do it in chunks. You know, make your make your nut for the first one, come back, get new people involved with the first and second issue. To then do the same thing the third time around so you you know once you come back you may have missed backers the first time yeah mm-hmm. so you, you get that chance to to rep or bring new people in like we have a a, a tier this time it's well, i always do a catch-up pack but i didn't want to provide you previously give catch up that's so weird like, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i just squirted all over the books it looks like blood it fits right in it's perfect. oh that's 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 actually a pretty good marketing idea yeah. <laughs> but no it's um they can get all three issues but this time i i'm not offering them the original covers there ah. is a connecting set from a single artist ah, that's cool so yeah he did a really cool image uh aranga devasarendra or aranga d wow <laughs> If you don't want to try to pronounce his name, but yeah, he's uh, he's done a couple of covers for me now. He did one for Cancelled, and he's going to do some more in the future. But he's on the rise. Um, but it's really I, I like what he did because it does provide people who are jumping on, you know, a set of covers that are all one image. So yeah. we were talking yesterday. Uh, Kevin and I did a Kickstarter kind of chit chat on Twitter where we were talking about some of the things and like the differences between the direct market and the Kickstarter marketplace and all that stuff. Like what are some of the, because you've, you've lived in both worlds, obviously you, you were, you were the co-publisher of a company and you were also very successful on Kickstarter, like explain the two different worlds, like the difference between running a campaign on Kickstarter and releasing a book in the direct market. Like how are those two things different? Man, that was a good ass question, by the way. It was. <laughs> that was a fantastic question. Um, really what you're looking at is your audience is completely different. On Kickstarter, you are talking directly to the end user. Uh, you're, you know, you can actually communicate with everyone. You can send them messages. They can ask you questions. When you're going through the direct market, your customer is actually the retailer because they're the ones who are ordering the books and taking a chance on you. Yeah. So while you may do a, a lot more volume in the direct market, you are not getting that face-to-face, you know, mm-hmm. per se, because obviously we're not going to everybody's house. But next next campaign, maybe we'll go deliver. <laughs> I'm coming books. to your house. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's that's the main difference to me. And, you know, there is a little bit of overlap, but – Kickstarter is a, it's a community that a lot of people only get their books there. Like a lot of them don't go to the direct market. I had a ton of people on the last uh, Jessamy campaign tell me they didn't even know that there was a version through Scout. Wow. So yeah, they, they didn't even know that they were like, oh, well, you know, I backed number one, but I never saw any of the other issues come out because we did the first issue for stake on Kickstarter. Uh Uh-huh. And and when they saw the pa- the ketchup pack to yes ketchup pack, but, um, they they all were uh, like I had at least a dozen people say I didn't even know this existed. That's awesome. Let me get this too. So it, it really is a different world. That's cool. Now besides condiments and um, publishing and Kickstarter, like how would you say that you link those three things together in your, in your reward tiers? Like how do, how do you, how do you plan out your reward tiers? Because that's a big question people ask uh, all the time about Kickstarter. How do you decide what you're going to give for rewards? Like, how do you do that? So I grew up as a collector. Um, 
is so I do I do like art and I have I as you guys both know I have a lot of covers on my on my campaigns and it's uh it it partially was the first time I did it I approached a handful of artists thinking I was only going to get a couple of them and all but one said yes so <laughs> I went ahead and committed and and put all of their covers out um so basically then the way I plan the tiers is you always have a basic, you know, you have your, your main artist do a cover. Um, then from there, basically I use the, the other artists and do a trade dress version, a version of virgin version, foil metal and let people pick what they want. And because there's so many artists, we actually don't make them pick until after the campaign. Oh, wow. Okay. Because if you if you broke it down and tried to do tiers on Kickstarter for for every single artist when you have eight or nine covers and four different versions of each cover, the, it gets yeah, it, gets, it would be insane. So yeah, it gets to the point where because I'm experiencing some of that on the Dust Pirates one. Now we had six covers, and it's just God, it's fucking. It's like you're pulling your hair out someday. And we don't even have like metal covers or virgin covers. It's just, we have six covers much like yep. you. A lot of people said yes. And we were like, Oh shit. So yeah. we just, we just did them. And I mean, they're, and they're all beautiful covers and we're so lucky to have them. We got some really talented people, but sometimes it's just like, fuck now I gotta, I gotta message somebody because I forgot to put in the, the, um, the, the, the survey, cover that got, right. the survey. Oh, you got, if you got a variant cover, which one did you select? And then sometimes people, will forget what cover they wanted i've they gave us the extra five bucks hey what cover do you want oh i don't i don't even remember it's like oh my god that what are we doing here you know so it's it can be it can be very monotonous and and, and maddening all at the same time yeah i do spring for backer kit so when they go really in, see uh, i don't i didn't really enjoy backer kit you liked it uh it helps for mine because the with the images they can literally see the cover and pick okay. it that way okay. um and then especially for add-ons i can put them on there and when they when they see they see the image it makes them remember oh yeah i liked that one too let me go buy that <laughs> now kickstarter is doing something similar to the backer kit model with the add-ons after you after you pledge you can as opposed to having 8000 rewards you can put in like pay an extra 10 bucks for this pay an extra 10 mm -hmm. bucks for this which i thought is kind of cool I, I i'll give kickstarter a lot of credit they get a lot of shit sometimes on social media because of some of the things they do but they've they do a really good job with with the, the listening to the community and like adding things on like that. I think the big thing they're they're still missing is no images on your rewards. Yeah, that would I think that would help a lot. Yeah, I think that I think that would because that would clarify like what you're backing and yeah. they know exactly what they're getting. And then there's no question at the end like that's as a someone who backs a lot of stuff. Like I go, I forgot. Like sometimes it's a long time before you get your stuff. So then I forgot what I backed for. Like this yeah. thing. Well, even that it. other even that other company indiegogo has images on the the tiers when you pick them i mean and so does zoop zoop has the image of what you back on like what it looks like or mm -hmm. how many like if it's more than one it's like it just looks like multiple books because you see the other one behind it so it's like okay yeah, I know and, what that is. and backer kit crowdfunding i believe has it as well which I don't know if you know about that, but they just launched that a couple months ago. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, I saw that too. There's a lot of new crowdfunding campaigns uh, and companies popping up, but it's just like, it's hard to leave Kickstarter because you already have a track record there. Right. Like when I launch a campaign, just like I'm sure when you think about how many people just get an email to say, hey, David Byrne just launched another campaign, check it out. So mm -hmm. it's, it's like, do I want to leave that? that audience that I've already built on Kickstarter to go to a new. A yeah, new, that's, that is platform. the big concern. Um, but the, one of the things about the backer kit one is they can import all of your backers. Ah. Mm. So yeah, they have, um, is it back kit or backer kit launch? It's an yeah. email, email system you can do before you launch where literally everyone who's backed every one of your campaigns is on your email list. And you can blast them and let them know it's coming. Wow, sounds to me like somebody may be jumping ship here. Is are you are you thinking about taking your campaigns to another platform? Uh, I may if if they open it up soon enough, I may try with uh, the second issue of Canceled 
Okay. Just to okay. give it a shot because yeah, you know I've see what's up. Yeah, I've established stake on on Kickstarter, so that would be a tough way to jump. Like if you think about someone like Charlie Stickney, he he can't move White Ash to another yeah, platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like that would cripple up, you know his backing his backer base. So you got to be smart about what you're doing. But you know it's worth giving it a shot if you've got something that's not related to the other things because you do have that connection to your previous backers already. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. You're a very well thought out guy for a Phillies fan. Um, I mean, it happens. You know, we we were the first to ten thousand losses. That's true. That's true. That's something to be proud of. Um, yeah. So I dig that, man. So like, you got this book. You're doing your thing here. You you got big plans for San Diego, right? Aren't you headed to San Diego Comic Con? Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I've got a couple signings scheduled. Nice. I'm gonna mostly kick around, meet new people. Uh, meet people that I've been talking to for years in person for the first time. Hopefully, that's cool. Who are you looking um, forward to? Who are you looking forward to meeting? Uh, well, it's been three years since I've seen Charlie. So, oh, that's awesome! Oh, wow. we've, we've, <laughs> so we've that'll never, be a big one. We've never met no. Charlie in person. We've only talked to him via the computer machine, the interwebs. Yeah, and, and yeah, he, I, I only met him at San Diego. I imagine he's a very tall man, Charlie Stickney. I picture he's like. Five, like six foot seven like he's just this giant tall human being i don't know why it, it's actually the opposite really <laughs> he's a little little person no he's about my height and you you know i'm shorter than you based yeah. on just meeting just <laughs> almost everyone is shorter than yeah me. i know he, he's not like he's a giant. seven foot tall i'm, I'm no. six i'm six two and a half like i'm an average you're like six three do you wait if, you, if you're six two do you need the half on there i mean i'm just i'm going all out i want my half i'm six two and a half I he's six half. three don't let him don't let uh him. uh I, I will say this though people taller than me weird me out i <laughs> so i grew up with a guy who he is um six eight oh and I have always been around a foot shorter than him. Yeah, that's weird. That's like hanging out with your dad. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was like as I would grow, he would grow too. So it didn't matter. He was always like a foot taller than me. Or like a pro wrestler because like you, you meet a pro wrestler and you think, wow, I, that's a big dude. Like that's a big man. So we, um, I used to do stuff with a couple of guys for, uh, for film. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Nash is actually local to us. And he ah. needed help. But he needed help filming an audition tape. And he came to the office, and I'm not kidding. His head was like four inches from the ceiling. Yeah, well, he's like 6'11". Like, he's gigantic. He's, yeah. He is a gigantic mountain of a man. So you do film too, uh, Dave? Like, David, you have a film background as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I went to film school. Uh, ah, I went how'd to, that work out um, for you? I didn't finish. No, there you go. That sounds <laughs> film school right. dropout. <laughs> really? So, like, what what attracted you to film school? Because I wanted to go to film school, but I never made it. So now, let's talking to you. I'm glad I I didn't. What did you learn at film school that's helped you in your comic journey? I learned how to do screenwriting very well. Um, that's cool. I, you know, I've I've written a novel as well, so I'm, I'm fairly decent at prose. So I, I when I came to uh, comics writing, I was already well-versed in screenwriting, well-versed in prose. Um, I wrote poetry when I was younger. So it's like, basically when I found out all you have to do is communicate with your artist, it's actually hard to, to pare it down. So when I, when I write, I've, I've heard it's insanely detailed, but I always put the caveat, you know, if this doesn't work, you do what you think works best. But I've had artists that are like, your scripts are good because I don't even have to think. Well, that's <laughs> so, good. That is good. Yeah. Um. So why? So why comics instead of of uh, of just prose writing or screenwriting? Because why would you choose that one other than the fact that you pare it down? Like, what's the what's the reason for you like to make that jump? If you can do all those other things, why not do those things? Do you love uh, comics well, more? I I do. I love the the medium. Um. I you know I'm in Florida. I'm in a you know, there's not a great film community here. So I never really got beyond just writing a bunch of screenplays. Okay. Um, and I wrote the novel is actually a, an adaptation of one of my screenplays. Um, but oh, that's cool. Yeah. The cool thing about that was when you write a screenplay, it has to be uh, very svelte. You know, you can't, there's no exposition. It's got to be what's going to be on the screen is what's on there. So getting to dig into the characters more when writing yeah. a novel was more the, the style of writing I like. 
Okay. Interesting. So, I'm because I imagine like doing a novel would be easiest in the sense that it's just you and an editor. Like it, it would be very difficult because I, I have a very hard time writing prose because I flip it in and out of like first person, third person. Um, I have very different, I guess, influences with prose. Like one of my favorite prose writer is uh, uh, Elmore Leonard. And if you've ever read an Elmore Leonard novel, it's Steve said, Bill said, like there's mm -hmm. no, it's just very cut and dry. There's not a lot of, not a lot of flowery prose. There's not a lot of beautiful descriptions. It's just, here's your story. So I imagine that has to be the easiest where film would be the most difficult to get something produced. So yes. comics is a nice little landing spot, right? Yes. And basically um, what turned me to writing comics was the story. <laughs> the, the story that I had in mind, I said this, the medium for this should be comics. So uh, before I ever wrote it, I spent six minutes or six months not six minutes i did, did take i did take a lot of time no six I, I i took about six months to basically learn how to write for the medium and you know if you read comics yes you you may have an understanding but you may not know why you understand what you're oh, doing yeah, 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 yeah. no totally so learn learning concepts like um you know what what's between the panels and things like that it it really helps with writing it and laying out pages so that was I, my, the, the one that I wrote first was The Couch, which is about a, a down and out therapist who becomes the psychiatrist to superheroes. So huh. I was thinking this, this can be my first comic. Let me, That's let cool. me jump. Yeah. Let me jump into the comic world and uh, see what we can do. And I actually haven't written a novel since because it takes me a lot longer to write novels than it does to write uh comics so you haven't tried one of those novel novembers or whatever they're called where you know like the social media thing yeah i wrote i uh, signed up for it for like the first three years after i wrote my novel and uh -huh. like i never got past the second day <laughs> <laughs> you you ended up with like one paragraph as opposed to like the rest or yeah pretty much you're like snoopy it was a dark and stormy night and you just kept throwing it away <laughs> yep. I, I actually, I, I had a memory pop up in Facebook the other day that it was, uh, I was sitting down to write and literally it says uh, uh, title, the word title. And then the next line says first paragraph. And that was it. <laughs> So I, and I think I posted something like, well, I made a lot of progress tonight. I'm calling hey man, it. <laughs> I mean, some days you eat the bear and some days the bear eats you, you know, you just have some of those days. Um, it's uh, now, talking about your process. Like, are you one of those guys that kind of sit down and pound out ideas on the keyboard or are you kind of walking around with it in your head for two or three days, kind of lay everything out and put it on paper kind of dude? So usually an idea will sit in my head for months before I ever write it down. Um, but then when I, when I do, it's, it's more of a process of building it with layers. So I'll write a quick paragraph, what it's about. Then I'll, I might jot down some bullet bulleted notes, but then I usually go into like a, a full page long oh, synopsis. Cool. Yep. And then from there I will do a, usually a treatment where I actually do type it out in prose. What's, what's going to happen. Okay. Yep. And then from, from there, I take that treatment and I break it down in of all places, Excel. It really? <laughs> With, yep. I actually, what I do is I will number the pages and oh. then I, I, basically put, okay, this should happen on this page. This should happen on this page. Cause it helps me with, um, page turns and things like that. So I'm, I'm kind of visualizing it. Yep. So that's before I ever go to script. And so by the time I've gone to script, I've basically had two or three revisions already. Okay. And I usually don't do much to the script other than read through it, make sure it all makes sense and then clean it up. That's an interesting wow. way to do it. Excel, huh? Weird. Yep. I would, I would say we do more the, the walk around with it in our heads for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. kind of thing because we're always calling each other back about whatever it is we're discussing for ideas so we will call he'll call me i'll call him it'll be well i, I thought about this today and this kind of fits with this that you were talking about last time and then bob will throw another idea in there and i'm like what if we did this with that and then 
then we'll walk around another couple of days and then finally then one of us will go okay we're we could put this in the in a paragraph form in a synopsis form and then yeah. one of us just goes to scripting i don't think we even do anything with excel that's crazy yeah that's that sounds very complicated i don't even know how <laughs> excel works Jesus. oh i i i love spreadsheets like everything i do has a spreadsheet somewhere really <laughs> yeah that seems so uh, I'm not trying to sound that. That seems like so anti-creative, almost because like you think you think spreadsheets, you think like accountants and like crunching numbers and stuff. It's interesting the way I, different creatives work, you know. I am very um, left and right brain. Okay. So I I do I have the characteristics of both sides, so it's it helps, <laughs> but sometimes it also hinders. So it's it it is what it is. Um, spreadsheets really help me. So I think everyone, especially in comics writing, just needs to do what works best for them. And then yeah. the mm-hmm. best way they can communicate with their artist. I mean, 100%. If, if it's if it's write it on a napkin and say, hey, go write, go draw this and, you know, do it that way. That's, <laughs> I, I mean, you're 100 percent, because I feel like as a creator, when you're sitting behind the table and people come up to you and they want to do that, I really I'm really interested in doing comics. I, I, I'm a writer. I really like writing. Like, how do I get started? Like, what kind of format do I? And I feel bad sometimes because I just tell them, like, just do it. Like, just do whatever works for you. There's no real, it's not like screenwriting where you need to have, mm-hmm. like, you know, one of the fancy programs or whatever. It's got to be formatted a certain way. It's just like whatever works for best for you. Right. You know, which is kind of fun, but it's also, it's, it's also maddening because I feel like it's part of the, it's part of the same thing with like pitches. Every every company has a different pitch format that they want. So it's just part of like the fuck it. When you do a pitch for one book, you have to do like 30 different pitches if you're going to send it to like five different places because <laughs> everybody has different ways they want to do it, you know? Yep. Yeah, no, I've even seen um, comic scripts, which I, I mean, I guess if it works for you and your writer, they were, it was literally a table. Um, the header was the page number, the left column or yeah, was what panel it was the right one was the action oh wow so you know it's like it's page one five panels you got you list kind of what size the panels are on the left side and then on the right side you say what's happening and whatever dialogue's there that's very interesting i've never seen that yeah well i've done some editing too on the side so i i get to see how people are writing it out (laughs) and i'm always interested to to just see how people do their scripts you wear yeah. a lot of hats, David. You wear a lot of hats. You have a I lot just, of I just like creating stuff and helping people create stuff. Because you know, I did uh, production design at Scout before I was doing publishing, so I was actually putting all the books together too. Oh wow! <laughs> wow, you were like a multi-threat then. You can you letter too? You do that too? Uh, not well. And Joel <laughs> yelled at me when he when I showed him the one I just threw together. He's like, "No, you're you're not lettering your book. I'm lettering it." I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, but it's I mean, good. I, yeah, and out of all the hats that you wear, which one do you like wearing the best? It's still writing. It's always got to be okay, writing. Okay, that's, that's, <laughs> yes. your, that's your go-to. So, like, yeah. do you feel like when you were the publisher and designer, like, did you feel like doing all that stuff took away from the thing you liked doing the most? Is that part of the reason why you stepped away from publishing? Yeah, pretty much. Um I, I do like, I like putting other people's books out because even before I ever worked at Scout, I helped someone put out his autobiography and two kids' books. Um, I helped you? publish someone else's comic. So, I mean, it's, I do love that, but you have to still do the thing that you love the most or you, you get very cranky. If I'm not writing, I get, I get cranky. So we were talking about that at, at uh, Heroes. I'm the same way. I, if I'm not creating something, I feel like incomplete. And I know that sounds really weird and kind of artsy fartsy of me, but I can't help it. Like I need to be working on something. And even if I'm not, even if I'm just walking around with it, that's enough for me, you know? Yep. Well, and that's, that says you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because you are creating and it, it helps complete you as a person. So I think it's very important that you actually do it. And you know, when people ask, how do I get into writing? Exactly. You, I tell them do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, and I, I know 
until they have something published, people like to say they're an aspiring writer. I think you're either a writer or you're not. I hate throwing aspiring in front of it. Yeah. So I think you're you're diminishing yourself if you say you're you're just an aspiring writer. Yeah. You're just an unpublished writer. Aren't all of us aspiring because we're all aspiring to do something more than what we're doing now at the end of the day? Like, even if you're at the top of the field, even if you're number one, you know, they want to aspiring do, to something. Yeah, they want to do something else. Like they mm-hmm. want to write that next book. They want to do the next big thing. You're always trying to step up and and hit that next goal. You're always you're aspiring to just create more things. So yeah, that's a good point, yep. bro. Listen to you. Yeah, it almost it almost feels like yeah, it it feels like a way to say that it's it's not going to be good enough because I'm aspiring. Right, that's what I was going to say. It sounds when you say that you almost sound like you don't have the confidence that that you that you need to do the thing. Uh, It's almost like you're saying to someone who's doing the thing, like, "Well, I'm aspiring, so I'm not as good as you." That doesn't mean anything. Like, did you did you go write that thing? Did you go do it? Then, yeah, you're not aspiring anymore. You well, do you think? Well, Kevin and I were talking about this earlier. Do you think some of that is because if you're self-publishing books, you're you're viewed as less than in 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 the field and to other creators. You know, that's why everybody asks, so what are you working on? That's why you always say, I'm working on this with this company. So they know, oh, it's the, your idea has been, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Your like idea. stamped as good. Like, yes, um, you have a seal of approval from somebody yes. else. There's someone has gate kept your idea and be like, oh, yes, bring that in. I think as recently as a few years ago that yes, but it definitely feels like there's been a seismic shift in what has that seal of approval. I mean, you can you can go on Kickstarter and see hundred plus thousand dollar campaigns of yeah. books that are technically self published. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I I would say the the only seal of approval you really need is um, some sort of following. Yeah. <laughs> your audience, your audience, yeah, is your audience approval. is giving you their approval by buying your stuff. True that. Yeah, you're right about that. I don't know, man. David, you are a you're a hell of a guy, you're a hell of a talented <laughs> guy. You're a hell of a good looking man you're a lot of fun to talk to we had a blast at heroes i mean i think what that saturday we were just chatting all evening like it was a lot of fun yes, man we did i know more about the america's cup than i ever wanted to know yes that's yes, probably did. bobby's fault no it's I, not I, I, no not at all nothing to do with me i don't you didn't shit. do it i don't you know anything do about fucking sailing kevin what i'm a i'm a middle class guy <laughs> I, I mean i thought it was gonna be some sort of like you know, football reference. No, it was, we had a very, we had a very interesting conversation. Um, Myself and David were talking to, um, what was his first name? Cause I, for Adam, was it Adam? I'm not sure. I think he was introduced as Claremont's son. (laughs) I don't know know we were ever given his first name. His name was Adam or something like, but anyway, we were having a very interesting conversation with Chris Claremont's son. Um, whose name I cannot remember. I don't think he's listening to this, so I'm not going to like, I mean, I will apologize because I'm sorry I don't remember your name, but to be fair, he probably doesn't remember our name either. Um, Really nice guy, but he was really into sailing and like he went off on like, like Christopher Cross? Was it Christopher Cross that you guys met and no, nobody told me? No. If it <laughs> a little was, younger than Chris yeah, Cross. He, Damn. That's, yeah, that's but he just, and he talked about the America's Cup and about sailing for 25, 30 minutes. It was fascinating. You were very engaged. I was just kind of not. <laughs> I mean, if someone's going to come. Bobby's me, a pro. If, they, if they're excited, he's in. He's in. He wants to know more. Yeah, and it's also, too, I want to experience your level of excitement. Yeah, like if you're that mm-hmm. jazzed about something, um, I want to I want to try to help. I guess I want to learn more about why. And I also have I have two small children. They're not small, but I'm kids get excited about dumb shit. And like in order to engage them and to to build relationships, you have to be interested in things that you might not actually give a shit about. I did get the feeling he was so into it, though. You could have had like a six minute abs moment where if you had said something wrong, <laughs> he would have gone completely ballistic. What do you mean? What do you mean six minute abs? Why would it be that? No, but it was it was an interesting conversation. Interesting guy. Uh, but yeah, we had a lot of fun at Heroes and I'm really excited for your book. I'm really excited for your future. You've got a lot of shit going on. Like you're going to San Diego. You're coming back. I mean, you, what what's next, bro? What's next for you? What are you doing next? I'm just going to make cool stuff. 
That's fair. I dig that. That's what cool at. stuff do you have on your plate next? Though? Yeah, dude. Like you've got. Are, are we going to see more steak? Are we going to see more? Uh, you said you're going to do. Um, you're going to do canceled. You're going to do that next. I mean, like, yep. so you're you're just going to keep the ball rolling and actually get back to doing a lot more writing and a lot less delegating and and kind of um, publishing work. Yes. Yes. So we'll we'll finish this uh, Jessamy three campaign and Francesca is drawing it already. And as soon as she's done drawing that, I need to be providing her pages for Steak Volume 2, which we, oh, okay. which we will uh, definitely kickstart. Um, instead of doing six issues, we'll actually do kind of deluxe issues like Charlie does, where it'll be two in one nice. for, the, for the Kickstarter community. That's cool. And then down the line, we'll break it back into six issues for the direct market. That's pretty cool. That's, that's, that's pretty exciting. You found a way that works for you. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. So, and then I will do a uh, canceled campaign here, hopefully in October, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. That's already feels like it's barreling down on us. Yeah. It's not too far away. So, so yep. So, and then so, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, hopefully we'll have something fun for that for uh, New York the second weekend in October. Oh, so, so you're, you're doing New York. Yes. Nice. Are you doing Baltimore? I'm not doing Baltimore, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, you're going to miss us. We'll be in Baltimore. Yeah, we're not doing New York. We can't afford it. I might come up there and just go to the aquarium while you're at the show. That's cool. You yeah. should. You know what, though? <laughs> I will say my wife went to the aquarium last year. She said it, it was I right. Like, she wasn't yeah. blown away by it. Like, I thought the Baltimore Aquarium would be super terrific. And she said, I. Right. Well, apparently there's a penguin experience where you can go, like, be with them. So Ashley really wants to go to that. We'll We'll try to figure that out. That's cool. <laughs> Go she be wants, with the penguins. That's awesome. She wants to leave you for a penguin. She totally would. <laughs> penguins are great. I mean, they, as as flightless birds go, they're probably the best ones. And well dressed. Yeah, they dress way better than me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, they, uh, her and my mom tried to. Well, they they did get me into a tux last year for a, an event, and she's described it as uh, trying to give a cat a bath. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of formal wear. I mean, to be, I mean, I think everybody likes getting dressed up to an extent, but a, a tuxedo is a whole different issue. And it's not like it's yours. You didn't go get fitted for one. You, it's not, somebody didn't make it for you. You just went to like fucking, you know, your local place where the kid gets the prom outfit and just tried something. You're wearing somebody else's clothes. You feel like a schmohawk, <laughs> right? I actually... He owns a tux. So he, no, no I, I, I do. Well, we did buy the one that we did because they make you me go to this. Thing. They make me. They go. We go to this thing every single year. So, so he's going to be like, it? burn, deep oh, I burn. I don't know. No, I'm saying, what's the event that you go to every? Oh, year? it's it's a charity event for uh, toys right before Christmas to for kids. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. nice. So, you gotta yeah, wear tux. Yeah, it's it's an adult prom. Well, put on a fucking tux, you Scrooge, and go help out poor kids, you shithead. Just imagine that you're Bond. Can I just give them money? I mean, you can't. No, but like, isn't being Bond for a night more exciting? You and your wife could role play. I don't know, whatever you like. Well, last year I was sick, and I was like, everyone's like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm dying, but they made me come. Wow, so then you just made everybody look like But you were well-dressed. If you, like, died like that, you would be set up right away. You're good. There you go. Yep, just bury me in my my clothes. Right in the box. Here we go. Look, I'm dressed for it. Just put me right in. That's cool. Now the campaign, I'm going to release this episode probably by Friday. So you've got what? 24 days left on this bad boy yeah i went i went long on this one because of c2e2 ending on the seventh i did it to the eighth because i'll i'll pass out postcards there for people to go back it yeah nice well that's cool man so you're doing c2e2 too wow you're doing everything huh you're going everywhere i just got a notification today that i can do uh emerald city but i'm like oh i don't think i can fit another cross country yeah that's a lot man yeah because these shows are every other week and i'm i was supposed to do uh raleigh the weekend after san diego and the week which is the weekend before c2e2 and i'm just like i'm gonna have to back out of this i cannot do san diego raleigh chicago yeah that's a lot three consecutive weeks that that might kill me yeah that's a lot that's a lot of hotel living right there you know yeah and raleigh i would probably have to drive to but it would it'd be like a 10-hour drive yeah 
So yeah, I'm going to unfortunately have to back out of that one. Well, that's happens. a, that's a rollover from 2020 still. Really? Yeah. Cause of the, the pandemic. So I signed up for it in early 2020 and still have not gone to the show. Now, that's which hilarious. one is that? Is that like NC Comic-Con or is that the uh, other that's one? That's GalaxyCon. Galaxy Galaxy Con. Con. Okay. Which I've heard is a great show. I just, I don't think I can physically handle going there. Yeah, no, I feel you. That's a lot of hotel time, man. Yep. I don't want to do that to Ashley again. <laughs> You're a very nice guy. All right, man. Well, you, your Kickstarter is coming. Uh, I mean, it's out now. You got like 23, 24 days left. Get that thing rocking out. Um, I, I think you're going to make it. I think you're going to get, I think you're going to barely get over the line. But I, I think, I think we'll gonna, squeak in there, right? I'm, I'm rooting for you, dude. It's yeah, I'm rooting for you. Well, thank you. Of course, man. Of course. Um, let's go Phillies. <laughs> who's your favorite Philly of all time? If you had to pick one Philadelphia Philly, who's your favorite one ever? Michael Jack Schmidt. All right, that's a good answer. <laughs> you can't go wrong with the best third baseman of all time. Now, what about how about like your favorite Philly after the year 2000? 2000? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> People, well, it's close. Like, okay. I, I actually I actually liked Harper before he came to the Phillies. Fuck that guy. I, a lot of people hate him, but he is very talented. He's very but good, but he sucks. Probably Chase Utley. Oh, he's he, fuck that guy. Not that, I'm not a big fan. I don't like that guy. He broke uh he broke my boy's leg in the playoffs in 2015. He wasn't uh, with the Phillies then. He was with the Dodgers. I know. He I will the He was corrupted. I, yeah, it was by the Dodgers. The thing I do like about Chase Utley is he has a Star Wars name. Chase Utley. Do you know his first name. at bat ever was a pinch hit grand slam? Really? Yep. That's cool. He's a, is Chase Utley a Hall of Famer? Being a second baseman, it's going to be borderline. I I don't know if he has the numbers or the I think the longevity might be the the bigger issue. I'm going to go to Baseball Almanac. Let's look at his numbers. <laughs> oh my goodness! Kevin's like, all right, I'm out. We are in the weeds. Like I don't even. Baseball know Reference is a really great website, by the way. It is. It's fantastic. Um, Chase Utley hit 259 career home runs, uh, over a thousand RBIs, a thousand twenty-five. Uh, his career batting average, 275. Oh, his career OPS is 283, dude. I mean, excuse me, it's 823. That's I was going to say 283 is his, way his below career, replacement. His career OPS is 823. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah, he's a good second baseman. Yeah. I mean, Rollins is up there too. I think he should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I like Jimmy Rollins because uh, he had that, he had a good, uh, he had a lot of attitude, man. Like he, he, he was just a damn good player. Like, yeah. Uh, every I would I remember watching the Mets and the Phillies play at this era, and no matter what the lead was, the Mets could be winning seven to one. I'd be like, Phillies are going to come back and win, and most of the time, the Phillies came back and won nine to seven. It was always yeah. the fucking Phillies, the never say die Phillies. They were a good team. They had a five year period there where they were a lot of fun to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it ended when uh, Ryan Howard's uh, Achilles exploded. Yeah, <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, what about the one playoff series where um, your boy Holiday threw a no-hitter in the first game? Yep, against the Reds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Rollins. I like Jimmy Rollins. But, yeah, I think I don't think you can go wrong with Mike Schmidt. That's a good answer. Good yep, answer. I want I wanted to be Mike Schmidt. I wanted to be a third baseman when I grew up. See, it's weird because you, have, you look kind of like John Crook. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> like with the ginger hair and the little goatee. Like you can you could totally cosplay John Crook, I bet. Have you heard him? He's actually a commentator for the Phillies games now. Really? I did not know he's, that. He's amazing. Oh, yeah. He's, he's fantastic. Oh, he's got to be great. He's got all the stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, do you remember uh, him in the All-Star game against Randy Johnson? Yeah, when he turned the helmet on backwards. And, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love Crocky. He was always good. He was great on ESPN. I don't know why ESPN got rid of him. I thought he was fantastic. He, You know, he had testicular cancer while he was with the Phillies. Yeah, I remember that. And he showed up one day with a shirt that said, if you don't like it, I'll take my ball and go home. <laughs> this, yeah, is, this is in the weeds, friends. No, it's not for me and not for me and David. I know exactly who he's talking about. I have no idea. John Cruck played first base for the Philadelphia Phillies 
I think he was on their World Series team in 93. I'm not yeah. as nice as you. I'm not going to listen to your sailing stories, Bob. I don't uh, care. Yeah. I'm Phillies, <laughs> I mean, I like, the, uh, the, I like that 93 team. That 93 team was good. Yep, they were fun. They had a lot of heart. <laughs> Letty Dykstra. Hammer and nails. They had a... Uh... That, a couple years you later, you guys are just going to keep going. Look at you. It's like, it's like <laughs> let's see, let's let's test Kevin's endurance. Like it's like it's like test your might. I need to hit the buttons hey, really fast. Like, Weren't you like, rolling your eyes at us at uh, Heroes when we were? Talking I was. About I think I walked away. I think, I think you happened. did. Too. I think I walked away. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, baby. I mean, I just don't love baseball like you guys. I, I'm I'm not at all mad at the fact that you guys love baseball. Though. Yeah, why would you be mad at that? Like, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not. I, I think it's great. I'm more of a cricket guy, but yeah. So, uh, <laughs> David, we wish you luck on your campaign. We wish you luck on your future. And hey, let's stay in touch, man. Yeah, yeah. Have your people call my people. We'll set something up where we can talk again. Let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.